Hello, it's Brooke Eagle. We're here with another episode of the Forsyth Magazine's podcast. And today I have Mitchell Curran, the executive director of ARF. Hey, Mitchell, how are you? Hey, Brooke, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so glad to have you here. We're we're animal lovers here, so we love ARF. Um, tell us a little bit, I know most people are probably familiar with ARF, but tell us a little bit about what ARF does in our community. Yeah, so we recently celebrated 25 years of serving the Winston-Salem area, and so we are a local homegrown organization. We were started by two women here in the mid-90s, and our primary focus, our primary mission is rescuing and adopting cats and dogs in the community. So last year, we rescued uh, a little over 750 animals. Wow. Two-thirds of those are cats, a third are dogs. We currently, our total count so far this year is about 173 animals adopted. Um, and we have 133 animals in care as of this morning right now. Oh, my goodness. So we take cats, dogs from surrender situations where their owners can no longer keep them or they might be strays and just help them reach their potential as pets in a new home. Yeah. So I know when COVID hit, all of the animal shelters were at like all time lows because everybody was adopting a pet. Did y'all have that same experience? Yeah, so we're a little different than a traditional shelter. We do have some cats in our shelter space, but almost all of our animals are in volunteer foster homes. And so we didn't feel that same crunch that some shelters felt where you don't know if you're going to get staff or volunteers in to care for the animals like it's needed and you need to empty out these shelters. Um, So we were able to kind of maintain um, our operations because those animals were in homes. And so we definitely saw an uptick. We saw a pretty good year in 2020 of adoptions. Um, what we saw last year a little bit when things started to open back up at the start of the summer, our adoption numbers dipped a little bit just as people's lives were a little more out and about and a little less grounded and stable as maybe they were when they were quarantining before. Sure. Um, Yeah. So I know I had the pleasure of taking a tour of the current facility. um, And I was so surprised at how y'all are able to make that work. Oh, my gosh. That is a small facility right now. (laughs) Yeah. So currently we are in a a literally a hundred year old little house, 900 square feet over in Hainstown and have been there since about 2004 um, and have just continued to grow as an organization in that space. We outgrew it probably around 2007 uh, and then just continue to grow. We're real excited right now this year in 2022, we should move into our new facility right around the corner. So yeah. we'll be going from 900 square feet to 6,000 square feet. Yeah. In our new space. I was able to tour that facility as well. It's still under construction a little bit but it looks like it's getting close and it is so beautiful oh my gosh I know y'all must be thrilled thank you we're so excited it's just a a great validation of the work that's been done in this organization and um, to have donors like the Morquas family and other supporters who have believed in us enough to invest in our mission to help us to continue to grow and continue to develop and you know one of the things we learned through COVID like a lot of organizations is how important important gathering people is for us, whether it's the adoption fairs, whether it's just connecting with our fosters and our volunteers. Um, we play a really pivotal role there and being able to have the space to have meetings, to have trainings, to have events, just to gather folks together. We're excited to be able to do that. You definitely can't do that even pre-pandemic yeah. in 900 <laughs> square feet. Um, and the pandemic's really been challenging with that for sure. Yeah. So tell us what a couple of the non-negotiables were when y'all were thinking about building this new space. What was what were a few things that just had to be in there? 
Yeah, so we were committed to maintaining our status as a foster-based organization. So while we're increasing our shelter capacity for some of our cats a little bit, it wasn't our interest to build a traditional brick-and-mortar shelter. Our organization really values that foster experience. We think that animals you adopt from us have the experience of being in someone's home before they come to yours. Mm -hmm. And so we can learn a little bit about what they need, um, what they don't need, uh, what doesn't work for them. And so we wanted to continue to maintain that space. And so what we wanted to create was somewhere where we could help support our fosters and help support our volunteers. So one of the big hallmarks of it is increased ability to provide veterinary care on site. And so our long-term goals include eventually being able to do um, surgeries on site. So being able to do our own spay-neuter surgery. So everything's being equipped in our two veterinary exam rooms with the capability of being able to do that in the future. That's awesome. Rather yeah. than having to transport the animals yeah, so we have to transport them. We work with great partner vets in the community now who really are helpful for us. But they've got their costs as well. Um, and when we're taking up space in one of their surgery rooms, we're taking up space of potentially a patient of theirs. One of the things we learned through the pandemic, like a lot of places, is the vet clinics, like everywhere else, got a little behind um, as their efficiencies may have slowed a little bit as they adapted to kind of this new normal. And so spay-neuter surgeries are tough to get just yeah. in general. And so that helps take some of the pressure off of them and helps us to continue to be able to do it in the most affordable way and effective way possible, because that's ultimately the, the core cause of the problem that we address is we need to spay and neuter more animals in this county. And so being able to have more access to that, more affordable access to that is only going to be a net positive for everybody. Yeah. I love that. Well, and I love that you guys do so much of the fostering um Shonda who's a big a big foster our foster person for y'all um she's on our team as well and I just love Shonda but the other day actually it's funny I was with her and she was telling somebody that she fosters dogs and they said oh I don't know how you do that wouldn't you get so attached to all of them and I loved her response she said um she said you know of course I do I love dogs but I get to take them into these homes and see you know a little boy who's like you're gonna be my forever friend or a little girl or just an older couple or a family and she said that that makes it just like wipes away any any desire to keep the dog because it's just so exciting to see the how excited the families are. Yeah, so. that's not really lost on us. I mean, we when you're dealing is the leader of an organization like this where you, you see the volume and you see a lot of it. Uh, I always like to remind myself of the smaller interactions. And so, you know, if we do five adoptions in a day, yeah, that's five adoptions in a day, but that's five moments that are pretty significant markers in someone's life. Yeah. You know, one of the great benefits of my job is that I get to talk to people who have adopted from us, who choose to continue to support us in some way and hear from them about their experience with animals. So whether or not, you know, I got to talk to a, a young woman on the Betty White fundraiser. I was calling to thank her for a gift and she was, she lives in Texas now. And I said, we don't get a lot of donations from Texas. Tell me your connection. And, um, she adopted a dog from us when she lived here and then Aww. she got engaged and then she moved to Texas. Um, she's now married. She now has children. And so that dog isn't, isn't, has passed away, is no longer with her, but that moment there in Winston-Salem through ARF is just sort of marked that oh, experience wow. and carried her halfway across the country through these different stages in their life. And so when I think about my experience with my pets, then that, you know, it's those are those markers kind of on the rings of your tree yeah. uh, showing you where you've been. And we, we get to be a real part of that several times a day, yeah. you know, and those fosters get to make that connection. And so it's hard. It can be hard to let them go. And I think some 
fostering animals are harder to let go than others, but to be part of that experience where somebody can start in that journey with a pet is, is a great thing. Oh yeah, for sure. So do you have dogs? I do. I have a dog named Deacon. Um, and I had a dog, uh, I adopted my first rescue dog when I was in college at Wake Forest. His name was Booger, uh, <laughs> which became just his name more than what other people associate the word with. But I've usually worked with children through my career before ARF. And so I always was reminded that that was a funny name anytime I would share that with them. And so he was one of those. I adopted him when I was in college and he was with me when I got engaged and with me when I got married and through different job changes. And, you know, he's no longer with us. And, um, but you know, to have that, that marker, I grew up with cats. My family had a lot of cats and then we finally adopted a dog when I was a sophomore in high school. I had an an aunt who gave me an encyclopedia of dog breeds when I was maybe 10. And I read that thing cover to cover and would make these sales presentations to my parents about what breed of dog we need and why. And and we ended up getting a pug when I was 10 that, of course, soon after I moved to college, just became the replacement child to my parents. (laughs) And they were very much not necessarily dog people, but they were that dog people yeah for sure oh yeah i know i know some people like that who they are not necessarily dog people but that one dog that grand dog or right. <laughs> that's that's right. their baby yeah that's awesome so tell us what we can do just the general public to support arf whether that is we want to volunteer or give to arf in some way or attend a fundraising event what are the different ways we can help Yeah, well, the most important thing you can do if you haven't done so already is get your pet spayed or neutered. That's the most important thing you could do to help our mission. And if you need help with that financially, we've got low-cost vouchers available for that, um, and we'd be happy to help you with that. Um, You're welcome. We would love you to come volunteer or foster with us. The great thing about fostering is it really fits into different lifestyles because there's some obligations where you need to bring your dog or cat to veterinary appointments um, and or adoption fairs, but most of the work that you're doing is done in your own home on your own schedule. And so that's a great way to be connected. Um, you can find out more information about that on our website. It's ARF, A-A-R-F-W-S.org. Okay. And then we've got a our big fundraising event coming up uh, Friday, April 8th at the Millennium Center, Party for Paws. And so we are just a few weeks away from that. We're excited. The Patrick Rock Band's going to be playing. It'll be good to gather and be back together. Yeah. Um, and that event supports our veterinary costs throughout the year. And so that's continued to grow. Um, This is now the sixth year we've done it. We had our pause like everyone else and then did a virtual event last year. We're excited to be back in person. And so the theme for that is there's no place like home. And so it's a great way to just celebrate putting animals in homes and and having our foster homes available um, with that. So we'll be at the Millennium Center Friday, April 8th. And you can find out more information about that on our website. Okay. So you can buy tickets for that event on your website. You can buy tickets. Even if you can't make it and just want to make a donation, you can do that through the website. There's sponsorships available. Um, We're a great corporate partner. I read somewhere about 70% of Americans own pets. And so in terms of, you know, your market penetration, supporting an animal organization is really a great way to go. Yeah. I love that. So what can we expect at that event? Yeah. So that event will have great food, open bar, music, dancing. We'll have a live auction. We've got some silent auction items, which will be available to anybody in person or virtually. Um, Those will go up there. You can see them on our website right now. And that's rfws.org. But that auction will open. The silent auction will open about a week before the event. So you can bid on that virtually. At the event. Yep. It'll end at the event. Um, And so then we'll have a live auction piece at the event. So the live auction items are only accessible to people 
in the in the room for the event mm-hmm. um, for that. And so we've got about four vacation rentals up for Ooh. that. So an exciting way to come, you know, get your beach vacation planned and, yeah. and also give back to do that. And support a good cause at the same time. That's right. I love it. So other than that, the big event, what else do y'all have going on in the next in the next few months? Well, a lot's coming up about the move. So we hope to be in our building um, really by the end of the summer, I think is kind of a tentative time frame. We're, we're very close on the inside. If the weather cooperates and we get things done, we need to get done on the outside. We could be in before the end of the summer, but definitely before the end of this year. Okay. And so that once we get moved, we look forward to the opportunity to have, you know, trainings and community events, things like that. And so so please stay tuned and follow us on social media. Even if you don't ever interact with us again, you want us on your social media feeds because we're going to continue to bombard you with pictures of kittens and puppies of and adorable cats animals. and dogs. Yeah. And everybody needs a little bit more of that in their timeline. Yeah. If that doesn't make you smile, then, you know, That's I don't right. know what to tell you. That's right. <laughs> so how often do y'all have adoption fairs? We have adoption fairs every Saturday. Okay. So those start at 11 a.m., run a couple of hours. Um, so our dogs are in the backyard of our current facility, um, and then the cats are on the inside. Cats are available to be seen all the times that we're open. And so we're open Tuesday through Friday, starting at noon. And you can find those information. Our hours have continued to change just as things have changed with COVID. Um, but the best way to find our current hours is through our website, rfws.org. Okay. And all of our animals that are adoptable are on our website. I was going to say, so you can go on your website and kind of if you're you know interested in adopting you can kind of go through and see see yeah so if there's an animal that you know really speaks to you go ahead and fill out an application even if there's one that's not it's not a bad idea to go ahead and fill out an application our applications are not the easiest process it's it's important for us to find the right fit and so we're going to you know check your vet references make sure you've taken good care of your animals kind of vet that you're going to be a good landing space for our animals because we want this to be the last adoption that that animal's part of um, if we can help it. And so that's really helped us. You hear stories of a lot of animals getting returned as people have gone back to work. We think the work we put in on the front end has helped us to avoid some of that. So we want to make sure that people are really committing to, you know, when you adopt a dog, it's going to live 12, 14 years. If you adopt a cat, it could live up to 18 years or more. It's a huge commitment. So what does your life look like 18 years from now? And have you thought about that we'll help you think about that together um, but want to make sure that you're committed to the animal because we've made a commitment to that animal yeah I love that I think I think so often people do not quite realize the the commitment that it is I remember as a kid I would beg for a dog and my parents they just wouldn't they wouldn't do it they wouldn't go for it and now I kind of understand they were both entrepreneurs they worked all the time you know, they knew me and my brother were probably not going to be the ones to take care of that dog. Right. <laughs> so and that's, I get it. <laughs> you know, one of the things we also check on is everybody in the household has to be on board. Yeah. And so we're not the place to come to if you want to surprise your partner or your kids with an animal. We want to make sure that everybody's on board and part of that commitment. Yeah. And that can be a really great thing when they are, but uh, we don't want it to be six months down the road. Well, my wife wasn't really on board with this. Yeah, so I think that's an her. important thing to know. I see people give dogs or puppies as surprises, and I'm like, oh, goodness. That yeah, is, that that's makes, a big life commitment for a surprise. That's right. And, you know, some of the surrenders we see are situations that have come from that. Yeah. So they, you know, weren't at all on board. Yeah. And so it's just not a good fit for them anymore. Well, and there are so many good fits out there. So, you know, it's important to wait for that. That's right. The right fit. Yeah. So what, Mitchell, what's been one of your favorite parts about working with ARF? 
Um, the people. So I, you know, when I applied for this job, when I started here in September 2020, I knew that I was going to be working with animals. I knew that part. I knew that that was always going to be the reason to get up in the morning, that you're making a difference for those animals. Um, and what I think I knew, but certainly didn't appreciate enough is how important our work is for the people in our organization, whether it's giving purpose to someone who might be on disability through their fostering or their volunteer experience, or whether it's building some connection with someone who might be recently retired and is looking for something to invest their energy in. We, you know, have gotten where we are as an organization because we've had just really incredible people who are just very, very committed to our cause. And so being able to help guide and shape and build some of those connections in that organization has been really a powerful thing. And, and that's my favorite thing about it is whether it's meeting adopters or meeting fosters or meeting folks that uh, they've come to us because they care and because they have a real passion for what we do. And they're just wonderful people and just help make me stronger and, and better as a person through that experience. Yeah, that's a great answer. I love that. Um, how many, so how many foster families do y'all have? So it varies. We, you know, our foster commitment is one that if you've committed to be a foster, generally speaking, you're committed to fostering the animal until they get adopted. Mm -hmm. And so for some animals that could be a period of months for some animals that could be just a couple of weeks. Um, and so, you know, we like to be able to accommodate what our foster's preferences are. And so if you want to foster with us, you know, we would talk to you about what that commitment's like and help feel out what your schedule's like and um, help you manage that a little bit if you're going out of town and things like that. And so, you know, at any given point, we could have, you know, up to 100 foster families oh, wow. uh, associated with us. Some are more active than others. Um, some might do uh, just foster over the summer a little bit. Um, some might have different preferences. What I'm always in awe of are our fosters that are committed to the orphan puppies and kittens, so the bottle feeders. So if you've had that experience of having a young child, it's sort of like that, yeah. uh, sometimes multiplied. And so they're you know getting up every few hours and Ooh. syringe feeding yeah. and, and taking care of these little ones. Um, it's just an incredible commitment. They're really good at it. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things that I think we're really successful with um, is those bottle feeders. And we have great staff that train and support them and um, great volunteers that help encourage and, and guide and mold them because it's a, it's a difficult thing. It's oh, stressful and uh, physically yeah. difficult. And so that's uh, that's a great way to go. And then we have plenty of fosters who they may just want an adult dog or they, an adult cat. or So we try and accommodate those preferences because it's your home. Yeah, You know, your, your home is becoming part of our mission. And so we want to make sure that that's the right fit. Yeah. Awesome. What's a, uh, what's a, misconception that people have about ARF? Yeah, so we're, I think because of our smaller facility, because we've been volunteer-based for a lot of times, a lot of people don't realize how uh, big our outputs have become. Um, so a lot of folks are surprised to hear that we've had years we've done, we've adopted a thousand animals or 800 animals. Um, and so folks usually know us from where their interaction point was. So if you came and adopted a cat from us 10 years ago, we're some ways frozen in your mind as when you showed up 10 years ago and yeah. we're continuing like any organization to grow and mold and change and evolve. Um, and so that's a, a misconception that folks have is that, um, you know, we're the, now the second largest animal welfare organization in Forsyth County. That's awesome. Um, the largest that's completely independent and private. Um, and so we, 
we have a pretty big role to play. Of course, we partner with all the other animal welfare organizations. The, the problem in this county is bigger than any of us can handle collectively, let alone sure. separately. Sure. Um, and so we have great relationships with them, but we continue to grow to do our part. Yeah. So tell us, that kind of leads me to my next question, and you and I had this conversation, but for those who may not understand or know the difference, tell us kind of the difference between the Forsyth Humane Society and ARF. Both great organizations. Yeah, they are. And we partner with the Humane Society and work with them everywhere we can. Um, and they're a great organization. The biggest difference is they're now an open enrollment shelter. And what that means is because of their partnership with animal control, uh, animals that are surrendered to them, they have to take. Mm -hmm. And so I've heard statistics where they receive about 15 new animals every single day. Wow. And so what that means is they've got different obligations and they've got um, different motivations to help manage that. Whereas for us, we uh, can say no to any animals we would need to, you know, whether that's saying no to an animal that might be aggressive or um, just saying we, we don't have space. We, yeah. we, you know, are unable to, to help you. Sorry, we'll help as many as we can. Um, and so for us, we're, we're a no kill organization. We're able to do that because we're not an open enrollment shelter. And so what that means is we don't euthanize animals for space. Uh, if we make a decision about euthanasia, it's medical or behavioral. Um, and there would be some risk associated. And we don't make those decisions very often. Um, and so we're an organization that we're able to take in animals that might have more significant medical issues. Like we have a puppy in our program right now. His name's Tito and he um, is blind. And so he came to us from a, a, a shelter of a surrounding county and he was set to be euthanized because they thought maybe it was a neurological issue. He kind of wobbled when he walked or bumped into things. And so uh, they reached out to us and we were able to take him in. And, you know, he will have some significant veterinary costs. He's had just his initial diagnosis right now. And then we're referring him to a specialist. And so we're able to do that. We're able to do that because we've got great donors that support the work we do through things like Party for Paws and help us to be able to not have finances be the primary motivation. Sure. Um, but if we had 15 more animals coming tomorrow, it would be tough for us to give Tito the time and the investment that he needs. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to end with one final question. What is the most heartwarming story that comes to mind that you've experienced while you've been at ARF? Yeah. So one that's really there's a lot. Um, yeah, and no doubt. One that we actually were just making our video for Party for Paws last week. And so I had a chance to talk with this family. We had a dog named Callie who was adopted uh, last year. Um, she came to us as a puppy um, from the Humane Society, actually, was transferred over to us. And while we were doing our vetting with her, discovered she had a pretty significant heart murmur. And we uh, felt like, given the opportunity, Callie would be a great dog and would require some significant surgery. We had to send her over to NC State. Um, very costly process, about a year-long process of wow. getting her ready. What's great about Callie, not only did she become just a wonderful dog and was adopted, the family that adopted her, they found her because the daughter in the family was looking for a dog to replace one they had lost. And she found Callie and read her bio. The daughter has a heart murmur and Aww. has a significant heart condition. And so she said, you know, then I was talking to her mom about this and she said, you know, we, I want to adopt this dog because she has a heart murmur like me. And the mom said, well, what do you say to that? Of course we've got to oh. adopt this dog. But they're doing great and had a chance to see them. They're looking for their next dog to adopt to keep 
Cali company and they've yeah. also adopted a cat in the last year or so. And, oh uh, yeah, great family, but to be able to have that kind of connection, um, that bond and, and give Callie a chance to do that. There are a lot of places, you know, her prospects for survival probably weren't great depending on, you know, what kind of intervention she had access to. But because we had folks here who said, yeah, we're going to make the commitment. You know, we had fosters that said, oh, I'll keep this dog for a year through recovering from surgeries, trips to Raleigh, you know, things like that. Um, and we had donors who said, yeah, let's make this happen. Here's the funds you need to do that. Let's give her the care that she needs. And we were able to make that connection. That is an awesome story. It's my favorite. What yeah. a perfect way to end this episode. I love it. Yeah. So make sure you are following ARF on social media. Check out their event April 8th, and you can find everything you need to know online. Remind me of your website again. ARFWSAARFWS.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mitchell. It was a pleasure to chat with you today. Thanks for having me, Brooke. Had a yeah. great time. And as always, you can find Forsyth Mags on social media at Forsyth Mags. And all of our content and information about us is on our websites as well. ForsytheMags.com is our landing page. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day. That's a wrap. The views and opinions stated on this podcast are solely those of the contributors and not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting companies. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without expressed written consent of Forsyth Magazines Incorporated. Ooh, that's a mouthful. <laughs>